We were talking coming over here. Uh, it was 18 years ago in September that, that we left this fellowship. Um, and, I mean, I kind of really, it's like, wow. Um, I, I recognize, too, as I, I look Facebook friends with many of you, I recognize this one miracle that has occurred. Y'all have gotten older and I've not. <laughs> It is what it is there. The miracles still happen. Um, and I'm also reminded of something else that's, that's really important, I think. Um, that means that about 21 years ago or so, you guys took a chance on a pastor. And I, I, I said it over and over again since that day, but if God can use me, he can use anybody. I bring you greetings from the State Convention of Baptists in Indiana. Um, I now serve on staff with them after 15 years uh, in North Vernon. Uh, four, I don't know how many years we were here. Kathy has to tell me all those things, the time here and that little bit of time in Shelbyville that I spent. Um, my purpose on staff is twofold. I work with the health of churches. I serve um, on the west coast of Indiana from an hour north of Lafayette um, down south of Vincennes. So I, I cover a lot of area and there are about 69, 70 churches in the area that I, I have the privilege of serving. I, I kind of speak in a different church almost every week nowadays, which is a little weird for me because I, I really like to engage people on a longer term basis, but it is what it is in, in just trying to help. And so I, I serve the churches just by saying, I can help you get healthy. Um, one of the things that God allowed me the privilege of doing, really after I left here, um, you guys just loved on us when we were here. If you remember, when we were here, you didn't have a constitution, uh, didn't have uh, any financial things that we had on paper. We didn't have a budget, uh, which freaked me out, remember, coming out of the business world. For some, I probably talked to Kenny and Mark about it and said, this is, this is good. we got to stop this. And, and then it just kind of struck me. It's like, well, it works. Why, why, should, why should we interfere with what God has used so faithfully for the years? Um, but after I, I left here, my whole ministry has been in helping churches get over the struggles that they're in. Um, uh, a lot of times, it's just helping churches to get their heads up from, from watching where their feet are going and look to where the feet of the Savior is taking them. And, and all too often, it, it is just so easy uh, to take our focus off of what God would have us to do. And that happens in churches, it happens in our private lives, uh, and it is an effort uh, to stay on track with the call of God on your life. And, and so I, I, it... I feel really honored to stand here and, and to speak to you this morning. Um, number one, uh, you know, the, the design of all of this kind of took place when I was still here. I never got to uh, see this constructed. Uh, I did get to preach a, a few meetings of a revival over in the other uh, building before this was done. And so it's a joy for me to be here finally, um, to be able to speak here. I've been looking forward to it since Kenny had called me. Would you, would you let me pray with, the, I want to pray for us uh, as we begin, so let, let's pray. God, um, you are an amazing God. I've rehearsed uh, your faithfulness in my mind this morning on the drive here. 
um, of thinking all that you have done. Uh, I think of, of all of the faithful people that were part of this church so many years ago uh, when I was here, and many of them have gone on to glory. Um, I thank you for them. I, I thank you for their willingness to sacrifice for the cause of the kingdom. Um, I, I thank you that, that we can continue to go on. There is no call in our lives to ever stop. That if we have breath, we are called to serve. And so God, I, I want to be reminded of that. Uh, I want all of us, I guess, God, to kind of just keep our focus, not on ourselves, not on our, our problems, nor on our successes, but simply to say, you are God and you've got a plan that is different than us, for your word says to us that, you are, that, that our ways are not your ways, and our thoughts are not your thoughts. And so I, I, sometimes, God, I have to stop and to recognize that the very things I'm thinking are really, are probably not of you, not automatically. Not with the natural person that is in me. And so I, I pray, God, that you help us to, to focus on you, set aside the stuff of the day. The second thing that I ask, God, is that you allow me the privilege of hiding behind the cross. Um, he, here's, he, here's how I feel, Lord. Um, I, while I'm, I'm honored to come home, I, I, I don't care whether anybody remembers me or my name. But when they leave this service today, may they remember the name of Jesus. May it be something that impacts them so greatly that they say, I have got to go tell a friend or a neighbor about the greatness of God, of what He has done. Let me rehearse what God has done for you. And so God, I, I thank You for that. And so, accomplish Your purposes, God. Your purposes alone. And I thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. Um. This morning, I, I, if, if you take your Bible, I, I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for a moment. I want to I talk about knowing. Um, this but God phrase that you see up here is a really important phrase to me. Um, and and it, it's because, I mean, many of you know my story and you know that I was addicted to drugs, but God. I, 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 I was an alcoholic, but, but God had a different plan. I mean, I, it, it's, you guys are going to hate me in the praise band after I break all your chords. Um, the, the, this but God phrase to me is the... It's okay, it'll mess them up when they come back up. You think? I guess it would be better than me breaking them right off. <laughs> you know, when I, when I think about the two words, but God, I, it, it just changes everything. And I pray that it's a big phrase for you too, because you, you were born, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Every one of us. There is no exception for this. And if we know Christ, then but God jumped in. I mean, we, we were headed our own way, but God. And, and here's, here's what I think happens to us. I, I thought about this in, in preparation to come here, but I, I thought about how many of you I, I know. And, and I can look across the room and I, I see lots of people that I call friends and, and people that I know. And yet the truth of the matter is, after not connecting for 10 or 12 years or 5 years or whatever that is, you know what the truth is? I really don't know you anymore. 
But do you see the trap that we can fall into is that we think, oh, because I, I knew him then, that I know him now. And I think there's a danger in our spiritual lives of doing the exact same thing with God. That, that when we look at our lives, I don't want my best days to ever be behind me. I don't want to be the things that I celebrate about the greatness and the glory of God that has been poured out in my life to be something that I have to turn around and go, well, 10 years ago. I mean, that's not what God is intending for us. I mean, God is intending for today to be awesome in his sight, to be for every one of us in this place to be used for his glory, not tomorrow, not next week, and not just what he did before, but today. And so I, I, I want to think about that for a second as, as we're together, and I want you to kind of recognize as you, as you look at this, if you'd flip two slides for me, that knowing about someone is not the same as knowing someone. Um, years ago, when I was in high school, and I, I, I know I've shared this story before, um, I, I was called out of class by uh, a guidance counselor, and I honestly thought I was in trouble again. Um, but, but she ushered me to this room, um, and inside this room was a guy I'd never met before. He stands up from behind the table, and he says, Hi, my name's Joe Paterno. Um, if you're a, a college football fan from the last decade, you recognize that Joe Paterno was the longtime head coach of the Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, Joe said, sit down. And I, I sat down across the desk from Joe, and he, he, he had a folder in front of, me, of him with my, my name on. I could see from the upside down reading that it was all my grades and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and he said, uh, son, he said, I've looked at your tape. He said, and then I looked at, at your school record. And he said, you, you know, you, you probably could play football, but you're not going to play football at Penn State. Your grades are just not sufficient to go here. Well, I mean, that was kind of depressing for me, but then at the same time, I thought, I met Joe Paterno. <laughs> And in fact, I, I became, it was, it was really one of those, those moments in my life that I look at, I think, wow, you know, that's pretty awesome. I, I, and I, I started to do this, this crazy thing of telling people, I know Joe Paterno. I, I shook his hand a little later on, Joe Paterno came out several years later, he wrote a book, and I, I read his book. And I thought, you know, I, I even know him better now because I read his book. But, but you know what, the real test about whether somebody knows you or not is whether they would know you. And so Joe Paterno would never ever after that day, maybe not even that afternoon in that high school, would have known who I was. Did I really know Joe or did I just know about him? See, I think there's a danger of modern Christianity that we fall into this huge hole that we say, oh, I know about God. Well, I've even read his book. The question is, does he know you? And you know, there's a terrifying verse in Scripture It says to us that, that on that day that we'll stand before him and he'll say, depart from me, I don't know you. 
And we'll go, wait a minute, didn't I, didn't I speak in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I give money in your name? And, and you know what, God, you know, I mean, this, this isn't probably what the Holy God is going to do, but it's what I would do, and it's like, I don't know you. You didn't do that for me. Because I don't know you. And so what I want to nail down today is a very simple thing, but I, I, I want us to consider this knowing. It's really important for us. And, and so I, I'd like, if you would, in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, to, to recognize something that is so very important. In, in the 16th verse, uh, we're just going to sit here for just a minute, and then we're going to go to another passage of Scripture and look at it. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17 and it says this so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view and boy that's a weird place to start in scripture You're like what is being talked about here um, if you go up above what we what we discover is that the apostle paul has been talking about the compelling love of christ compelling is a is kind of a magnetic kind of love it's just something you can't help but be a part of it draws you in it's like it's you 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 feel like in some ways i just can't help but love jesus and and so he's talking about this and says yeah but but from now on uh we we regard no one from a worldly point of view and, and what that means is what's a worldly point of view sound like to you it sounds like to me that oftentimes we regard people of whether they're tall or short i mean it, it's an obvious thing um in the world today, I mean, they've talked about it for years, that if you're taller, you make more money than short people. It, it, it's true. I mean, we regard people because of their dress. We say, wow, look, that, that person looks awesome. So they must be somebody. Oh, really? I mean, we, this worldly regarding of people, we, we think about that. And, and, and so what Paul is writing here, he's saying from now on, we're not going to regard anybody with a worldly point of view because frankly, a world perspective on people stinks. It just stinks. It taints us for who somebody really is before we ever are willing to dig in deeper. It's the surface look. Well, when Paul writes this in the middle of that 16th verse, he says, though we once regarded Christ in this way, and, and what he's obviously saying is, we just saw him on the surface. We didn't know. Well, then he says, we don't do so any longer. Verse 17 is the verse I wanted to get to. Therefore, because of we're not regarding anybody in, uh, in, the, in the worldly way, if anyone is in Christ, watch this, what it says. It says, he is a new creation the old is gone and the new has come and we say okay yeah 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 i get that uh, we're in church and so we think churchy and so we we say well here i am and so i must be this new creation well are you or are you not and, and frankly it is not my place to determine whether you have a relationship with the lord jesus christ or not I, i'm not your judge and jury I mean, I'm, I'm just Bob, and I'm I, I, looking around the room, I know a lot of you, and I would say, I'm the biggest idiot of the people I know. I mean, I, I, I get that. But, but here's the deal. There is a day coming where we each will stand before the Lord, and He will hold us accountable for this 
life that he has given us to live. And there is no faking it. There there is no outward worldly appearance for which you will be able to impress him. It is simply going to be the condition of your heart. Are you a new creation or not? Has the old gone and the new come? You know, I I wrestled with this in my own life, and I I want to show you a couple of things. If you go to that slide, here's what I want want you to ask yourself. Is because I know Christ, how am I different? Um, I think each one of us should be able to answer that. I really do. I'm not trying to put you in some kind of place of saying this is a trick question or, you know, I don't know how I can answer that. Well, you should be able to answer that. You're a new creation. The old has died and the new has come. There are people in this room that their spouses have passed away. Trust me, they know what the new life is like right now and they remember the old. When things change, they change. And you know it. Okay, so I walked through my life for a moment, and, and I just said, okay, you know, Lord, if I'm supposed to talk to folks about this, I've got to throw myself under the bus and make sure I can get this. So here's what I did. I walked back through. Uh, there's a before and after in my life. And, and, and before Christ, and let me just fill you in real quickly for some, many of you don't know. I, w- I didn't get saved until I was 36 years old. Um, I... I I started drinking alcohol when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I didn't stop until I was 36 years old. I started doing drugs when I was in the military at 20 years old. I didn't stop until I was 36 years old. Uh, My family was kind of abusive. Uh, it It was one of those kinds of circumstances that you say, oh, poor guy. Yeah, well, I'm 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 not asking for your sympathy. I just want you to know that the old has gone and the new. Has come and it was all about what Christ did now so so her first thing before easily angered man I mean I could explode at the drop of a hat I mean it just is the way I was um, and and yet after Christ I'm not gonna tell you that I am completely patient now uh, because Kathy's here and she would go liar liar um, so I'm, I'm still working on this right baby okay thank you that's encouraging to know that I'm still working on it. Um, but, but I'm more patient than I was. And so I see a change in my life. And, and Kathy sees the change in my life. Um, the, the next one is, um, is that I used to be extremely selfish. And frankly, it was just that life was all about me. Um, that's what most folk that are lost to think about stuff it it's just it's about me there's not a problem with me stealing from you because it it's all about me i mean so it's just the way i am and it's okay i i was extremely selfish and now i'm i'm just going to say to you i'm less selfish than i was i notice that i'm still selfish I, you know when we sit down and if like we we grilled a steak the other day i manipulated it so i got the bigger one <laughs> I'm, I'm not completely unselfish. And here, here's a, a, an aside from this. Please recognize this. God is not asking for perfection. The one perfect one died on a cross for us. He is asking for us to progress, to be drawn to Him, to be like Him. 
Um, and so this, this process of becoming like him, the sanctification is the word, um, you know, that, that's the process I'm on. The next thing I notice about myself is that I was really pride-filled. Uh, I spent a lot of my days uh, in college, especially, and after that, I played a lot of music. Um, I, I played in bars, and I sang, and frankly, I did it because I wanted the applause. I really enjoyed it when people would applaud and, and, and my pride, I mean, it, it was one of those things that you wonder, is your head going to fit through the double door or not kind of pride? And I was just that way. And, and, and now, again, I, I can't tell you I'm humble because that would be a lie again. But, but I'm more humble than I was. I mean, because there's this, this transforming thing that has happened. I am not the same as I was. The next one, we'll, we'll kind of flip through these a little bit quicker, but... I didn't have any room for people in my life. I didn't care about anybody. I, I just didn't care. But, but now it's, it's interesting. I, you're here, and, and for those of you that I've never met, do you know I've prayed for you? And not just, not just since Kenny called me, this church is in my heart. This community is in my heart. Now, why do I care the least about you I, I don't know that for all honesty I don't exactly understand it but I know that God has expanded my 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 loving of people to extend to those I don't even know and frankly it's extended to people I don't even like lots of times and, and so I see this happening and then and, and then I think there's one more I, I was o only happy if I was high in my life and now I am filled with the joy of the Lord. It doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter when things are going right or when things are going wrong. That's, it, it, it's, it's like it's been stripped away and changed. And that's not because I've turned over a new leaf. It's simply because that God has transformed me. The old is gone and the new has come. And I think there is one more. I was never content with anything. Um, the, the, this contentment thing, in fact, what it did in my previous life is it caused me to do things like climb mountains, uh, do all sorts of crazy um, adventure kind of things that would stretch the limits because I just wasn't content. In fact, you're looking at me like, really? I did a research about guys that have climbed Mount Everest. Uh, I happen to know a guy now um, that is from Tibet, and so I've got, actually, it's kind of a neat little insight into things that go on for people that climb Mount Everest. But I did this little bit of a research thing and found this. Almost everybody that risks their lives, and if you don't know anything about it, climbing Mount Everest is a, you're taking your life into your hands to do this. When they come back down, you know what the first thing they say is? Man, I gotta do that again. Really? Why? Because deep inside their hearts, they know there's more to life than this. And if there is a greater adventure than there can be than climbing the highest mountain for people to do that, I don't know what it might be. And, and so there was this never, this constant discontent, discontentment about what life was about. And now, frankly, I'm just at ease with it. Um, I, I, I have learned from a, a guy that is, was my prayer partner for 15 years. Um, he's, uh, I don't know, something like 15 years older than I am, so he's starting to slow down some. Um, but he has said this, we have to be ready to preach, pray, or die at any moment. 
preach, pray, or die at any moment. And when I think about that, and when I'm prepared for that, that puts me at ease with this life that I'm in. I'm ready, God, for whatever that you might call me to do. Okay, so we've, we've talked about this for a second, and now I'd like to turn to Acts 3.1, because we're talking about knowing, okay? We're talking about knowing, but that, that comes in a little bit of a different package for some of us, too. It's not just this, this knowing God and, and being transformed. And, and so before we get to Acts, can I, can I just ask you, if you, through all of this, you couldn't make a list of the things that, where you have been transformed. And you know where that list came from, by the way, don't you? It's, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the stuff that is supposed to be growing in our lives. And if you can't notice any fruit of the Spirit in your life, my friend, you could one day be lining the streets of hell. I'm just letting you know, because that's how we understand that we are in Him. We've been transformed. And so not trying to say, I don't know you, I don't know what's going on, but if you judge yourself, you're going to be a whole lot better off than waiting that you stand before the judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so, so you get to that place, and if, if you said, wow, I can't find any of that stuff, why don't you commit today to running to the to the Father and saying, show me by the power of your Spirit who I, who, who I am really. Am I in you or not? And I, I love it. Whenever I run to God and I beg Him for answers, you know what I get? Answers. So, you know, it's not always the answer I want. I've got to tell you that. But, but do it if that's not the case. I, I want to turn to this passage because this, this to me was, is an awakening passage for those of us who are in Christ. It's a, it's a place that helps me to recognize I wish I was more like Jesus than what I am. And so, if you look at this passage in Acts chapter 3, um, it, it says this in Acts 3.1. It says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, this is not a new story to any of you. You know what's going to go on. Peter is about to meet a guy, a beggar, and he is going to, uh, by the power of the Spirit, heal this guy. Okay, so something amazing is about to happen. But at verse 1, Peter doesn't know this. I mean, Peter's just going up to the temple at 3 in the afternoon to pray. And so I, I, I just want to kind of remind you of something, that, that lots of times I hear people say, I want to be used by God. And, and what I like to respond to them is, then do the things that God is asking you to do right now. Do what he's asking you to do. You know, he is asking everybody in, in this room, every one of us, we can go anywhere we want and we can say this, God is asking us to come to him in prayer. He is asking us to commune with Him. He is begging us in many ways to be able to speak with Him about the stuff of life. And, and so here's Peter and John in a very formal kind of way going up to the temple to pray at the standard time of prayer. They are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And here's the thing that I recognize. 
in, in Scripture. Uh, in fact, we, we go a little bit later on in this, in this book of Acts, and we discover that they, they are praying once again in an upper room when the place begins to be shaken. Now, now you'd say, well, that could have happened anywhere. Yeah, but it didn't. They were all together in one place. They were doing what God was asking them to do at the time, and then God turned the page and did something they didn't expect. And so if you want to be used by God for greatness, then do the little things God is asking you to do right now. And so every single one of us, if you're part of this congregation or you're just visiting here, uh, we, we are called to serve other people. We are called to be a part. Every one of us ought to have a task that we're doing. Not just assigned on a piece of paper, but one that we actually are doing. And as you do that task, you will then discover the greatness that God is going about to do. He, he may show you much more than that, but my guess is, if you're not willing to do the little stuff God has asked you to do, why on earth is He going to give you anything more? If you're not willing to be obedient to the little things, why is He going to give you bigger things? You know, you know, we want God to pour out all this stuff on us. We're not willing to tithe. We know it's there. We read it. We see it. We make excuses of why we won't. Well, we'll tithe when the kids graduate, or we'll tithe when we get our retirement fund set in place. We'll, we'll, tithe, we'll, we'll do it then. Why on earth is God going to pour out more upon you when you won't handle the little that he's already given you? I mean, you, you need to start thinking more like a parent when you think about how God is dealing with us. Because that, that, that's what he's doing. And so here's Peter and John, they're, they're on their way to the temple, um, and, and it says very plainly that they're just, they're just going along, three in the afternoon, and then verse two happens. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. This is no different a story than we see at the entrance exit to Walmart. Sometimes, I don't know, if you, if you go to Columbus and, um, and go to the Walmart out by the Menards, there is a guy that has been camped there for a long period of time, standing there begging for help from people that go in and out. Maybe you saw him and maybe you didn't. But here's the deal. This guy has been lame. In fact, we find out later on in this story, we're not going to read it, but he has been, he's over 40 years old. And he's been this way since birth. In, in the Jewish religion, it was, they were very big on helping folk, um, especially folk that would be near the temple. Now, this would be prime territory. I mean, this is the place that, that if you're lame and you've earned the right either by family name uh, or they've paid for that position to, to be held for you, I mean, this is awesome because you're going to get some help. You're, you're not going to starve if you've got a place right there by the temple. And, and yet, in order for this guy to get there, he has got to be carried there by somebody he is totally dependent upon others for everything that he does have you ever been in that circumstance do you know what that's like to, to have to totally depend on other people i do briefly um 11 12 years ago i don't know what it was right after i got to north vernon i fell off the roof um 
I, I broke my pelvis in a couple of places, broke my shoulder, broke a couple of other bones. I was in a wheelchair for six weeks. Um, the, totally depend on somebody else. I couldn't even wipe my own backside. That's not a place I wanted to be in. Neither did Kathy, just so that you know. Yeah, that is funny. I mean, it really is. But here, here's what got me. Um, at that time, the, the facility in North Vernon was in a very old structure, um, built in 1907, I think it was. Um, there were no bathrooms on the upper floor. You had to, be, you had to go up. Uh, the platform was about this high uh, with a very narrow... They, they had to take me and lift my wheelchair up and put me up here in order that I could preach. And... I, it, it scared me to death every time they would do it, and um, I, I would be so exhausted after we, we had two services, and I, I found another guy who was, was doing this the morning, the 8 o'clock service, so I would just have to do one from the wheelchair. Um, and that su- uh, this particular Sunday afternoon, I get home, we had, had a, a split-level house of which the only place I could go was on the bottom level because there were steps everywhere else. I couldn't use crutches because I broke my my shoulder on the same side as I wasn't allowed to put any weight, so I was just stuck. It was just the way it was. And um, I, I'm sitting there. Kathy had brought down uh, dinner from upstairs, and, and we ate, and, and um, I hear this noise, and it's lawnmowers starting. And people from the church were cutting our grass. Now, now you're going to go, oh, isn't that sweet that they would come and cut the grass? I was furious. That's my grass. I struggled with this understanding of, of being totally unable to do anything. And that was the, the kind of thing that tossed me over the edge to go, I, I, I can't even cut my own grass. For me, that was only temporary. Obviously, I'm, um, I don't have a wheelchair today. And I'm very grateful for that. But I, I get a little bit of a piece of what this guy must feel like just a small piece but he's been doing it for 40 years the word here says is that he's laid there and he is asking for money and it's apparent from the way you read this that he's asking everybody for money in fact when you look at the story you kind of recognize that that he's already gone on he asked peter and john for money and then went on to the next guy because it it says here that that they stopped and they were about to enter. They asked him for money. Peter looked straight at him, but they, he wasn't looking at them. He, he'd already moved on to somebody else, and maybe, maybe he recognized, well, Peter and John don't have anything. Look at those poor dudes. They've got nothing. So I'm going to try to talk to the rich guy and see if I can get some money. But, but, but what, what we see is this interesting thing um, where Peter says, Peter, look straight at us. said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting something from him. Do you know the phrase that really is is gripping me in this? It's beginning of verse 4. It says, Peter looked straight at him. I am kind of amazed 
and how many people I don't really look straight at anymore. I, I can get so busy thinking I'm important and doing things that I, I, don't, I don't take the time to try to figure out what's going on in your life. Um, there in North Vernon, there were times that I recognized, I, I, before service especially, I was so busy that while I would ask you how you're doing, I didn't really want to know. Did you do that this morning to somebody? How are you? And you wanted them to say fine. Because you were doing something. You were on the way. You were busy. Why is it that we become so focused on our stuff, our things, that we can't see what is happening in somebody's life, that we can't take the time to look deeply within someone, to take the time to say, what's going on? How are you? I recognize it as I looked at my watch um, that I'm, I'm burning time quickly and we need to go to Sunday school class and I'm, I'm sorry that I spent more time than I should. Uh, Let's look what Peter does for just a second. Um, the man looks at Peter and says, and, and thinks, it looks according to Scripture, that he looks at Peter expecting something from him. Um, is there, are there Kleenexes anywhere? <laughs> I'm sorry, that video just makes me cry. Thank you, Mark. You only used it once, right? Because it's... <laughs> Thanks, brother. This is, this is pretty interesting. Um, verse 6, because this gets back to the knowing that, that I wanted us to touch on. It says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Now, we, we've heard that, and... And for a moment, we, you know, when we, we think about this, this is an amazing kind of, wow, doesn't have anything to give, but he has Jesus to give, so he gives him. And we think, oh, that's really good. Well, here's the question I want to ask you. How did Peter know? How did Peter know that God was about to work through him in an absolutely fantastic way? Because he knows God. Look, I have, I think if there is anything that I have um, kind of guided my ministry with, uh, and I don't mean guided, but, but just w what am I known for, it's praying. It's what I do. And I have prayed for so many miracles. It is unbelievable. And you know, sometimes God has done them. Absolutely has, hasn't he, Mark? But I can't say to you that I have ever known he was going to. I, I'm not saying to you that I didn't pray with absolute faith knowing he could. I mean, he's God. If he can save me, he can save anybody. God can do anything. And I, 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 I totally believe that. But what my question is, is in this knowing, why do we struggle so much in knowing that God is about to act? 
I mean, how different would our lives look if we had the kind of knowing that really understood what God was about to do? Uh, for instance, let's say that we know that, that Christ is about to return in six months from right now. How differently are we going to live? Are we going to be so concerned with the things that have been going on around this place? Are we going to be more interested in getting outside of this building, making sure the people that dot the community know a Savior because time is running out? And so I, I look at what Peter did and I think, what happened to Peter? How does Peter know this? Peter is an idiot. I mean, if, if you look through Scripture, you find that he is one, one of the greatest. In fact, he was an interim pastor here. His name is Dr. David Garland. I don't know if you remember David uh, or not. Uh, his wife passed away last year. Uh, he is now the interim president of Baylor University um, uh, it, it, it's really kind of a neat story, but, but David said out of this, this great Greek scholar says that, that Peter is the rock head because that's just what he was. He always spoke too quickly. He was always too pride filled. It was always something. And then the resurrection, then the filling of the spirit. And all of a sudden, Peter Walks up to this guy, feels his pockets, and says, gee, I don't have a quarter even. And says, but what I do have, I will give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. This is amazing to me. But it gets even more amazing because there's something more because it, it, it now runs to my life. I, I look at that knowing and I say, man, I want to know like that. I want to grow like that to the point of that I can, I can be like Peter and like Paul and so many of the early saints that, that had no question when they prayed whether it was going to happen or not. The people that have a confidence in the Lord. It's in the knowing, by the way. It's in the knowing. It's not in our personalities. It's not that God does not... Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not some, some dispensation that has changed. It's us. I mean, I, I want you to think about it for a second because we give credit to doctors, not to God. When you get sick, you fall on your knees and pray, or you run to the medicine chest. I mean, you see what I'm saying? We have kind of pushed God in our, our modern 21st century uh, lifestyle. We've pushed God to the background. And then we wonder why we don't know him in some of the areas. I, I have had the privilege since, since I pastored here. I've led pastor's conferences in Haiti, in the Philippines, and in Vietnam. And I have seen people that can't afford not, not a vitamin. And do you know what those, those people do? They, they put us to shame in their knowing. You know, we, we look at, at, the, at the passage of Scripture says, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. You haven't had to pray for your daily bread your whole lifetime. You can go home. My guess is almost all of us could feed every one of us out of your cupboard today. It might not be something you want to serve, but I mean, we might all be eating cranberries from last Thanksgiving, but, but you got it. I mean, I, I've been in places in Haiti when they go to their cupboards, oh, wait a minute, there are no cupboards. There's nothing. If they eat because they got something that day, that day, that day. And so we, we, we look at this, at this thought. It's in the knowing. And I, I'm fearful 
that if we're not careful, we're passing down to our next generation and even less knowing than we got. Because frankly, all you have to do is to pick up some books and read back to the 19th century Christians and you find out they were a whole lot more spiritual than we are. What's going on? We can't continue this, church. We have got to lift up our heads. We have got to look unto the hills from whence our help comes from. And we're not. But, but, but this next verse, in verse, verse 7, okay? Remember what, what, what Peter says, said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, let me find the passage so I can make sure I'm using the right translation. I have, to, I have to use a different translation, it seems like, every church I go to, so I have to double-check to make sure I'm thinking right. Um, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, now he, he's saying to him, here's this guy laying there for 40 years. Walk. Then Peter said, walk. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Okay, let's look what happened. Peter says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Another translation says, get up. Okay, get up. But even though Peter told him to walk, Peter wasn't too big of a man to say, let me help you. He extended his hand to him. Oftentimes, what I'm seeing from the church in today's age is that we are the first to talk about people who are in the hole and say, you know, if they could just get their act together and get out of the hole, we'll help them. Why, we'd be the first ones to stand in line to help those people that could stop using drugs. Why, we'd be the first people to help those that could stop, stop living those lives that are against what we see in Scripture. We'd be the first ones to stand in line. Yeah, well, Jesus through Peter says, give him a hand. What are you waiting for? Because frankly, what did Jesus do to you? What did he do to me? I mean, I am dead in my trespasses and sins. But he came to me. His love exploded upon this planet. And it came in the form of a human being. And he died on a cross. He revealed himself to me. I didn't find him. He found me. And, and, and we have got to get this in our heads. We've got to be the... We are, the church is known across America as the, con, as the condemning place. We're known for it. Stop it. Stop it. Your grandmother said to you, if you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything at all. You know, it's interesting, but that's what the book of Ephesians says too. Do not let any whole unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building each other up. And yet we have fallen into this uh, modern kind of crazy talk radio kind of sense of picking apart everything. Stop it! If you're not sure you should post something on Facebook, ask somebody who loves you. In fact, if you have to ask the question, should I post this, let me tell you what the answer is. No. I mean, our, our language should be flavored with salt. It should be sweet. It should be like honey. 
And, and that doesn't mean it's not what we write, it's what we say, it's how we act. I mean, Peter says, get up and walk, but just in case you can't, let me help you. The interesting part, uh, this, this, this transformation that happens to this guy is like, wow. Um, I, I remember when I, I'm in a wheelchair, right? They wheel me into the orthopedic surgeon's office, um, and, and he, he, he examines my x-rays, and he looks at me, and he goes, okay. He said, this is earlier than I thought, but you can walk. Get up. And I was like, yes! And I hop up out of that chair thinking I'm going to walk straight across the room. I mean, I start to walk, and it's like, oh, is this? Nothing is working. Nothing. That's not what happens in this miracle, does it? I mean, it, 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 it says very plainly to us, he jumped, his... his he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Not only does he begin to walk, he goes into the temple courts walking, jumping, and praising God. Now, I think that we miss the chance to say wow sometimes. In fact, I think one of the challenges of the church in the 21st century, and maybe even this body of believers right here, we lost our sense of wow. We're not seeing what God is doing to give Him the glory. We're, we're, we're kind of stuck. And, and maybe, I'm only saying that because I get in churches all across the state of Indiana right now. And do you know that there, in the United States, this year, in the Southern Baptist Convention, we will close 700 churches. Now, the good news is, what we're doing in church planting is that we will plant 900 for a net gain of 200 churches. You know what concerns me? I, I love planting churches. I'm having a, a blast doing that with some of these younger guys. But what pains me are the older churches that can't, they can't lift their heads up enough to see that God has greatness and glory for them yet. And most of them forgotten what it means to celebrate the goodness the greatness the glory they've just forgotten they've gotten stuck and, and i recognize that kathy and i celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary and it's not like the same celebration we had at one i mean we're different it, it, there, there, there has become in my life an expectation that she's going to be there however i'm reminded as i as i talk to lucille to Ralph, to others, Bill, that always will not be the case. And I better remember how to wow with my bride. I better remember about how to rejoice with the things that God is doing. Church, we've got to lead the way in that. If we're going to teach our, our children what it means to celebrate marriage, then we need to celebrate what the Son of God has done with His bride. We've got to remember the wow. And so here, here's this guy who is like, wow! I'm leaping and dancing and praising God. And, and, and there is this interesting kind of thing that happens, and, and it is simply this. As God does amazing things, 
and the people of God, namely this guy who's leaping, dancing, and Peter and Paul, or Peter and, and John are, 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 I'm sure, are starting to go, wow, this is amazing. Look what God has done through us. I'm kind of seeing them do high fives, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of like, like, whoa, because this, this, is the, this is the thing that says God is with us. We've not been abandoned. It's okay. Everything is all right. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is coursing through my veins. And this is cool. And I do want you to know that if you know Christ Jesus, your Lord and Savior, the same power that raised Jesus from the, from the dead is in you also. And the question is, what are you doing with it? It's like bottled up as some secret sauce that never gets out. I, I just want to... Uh, if you uh, now advance with me to Ephesians 2.1, and I promise I'm going to stop. I don't know if you remember, I do, I do love to preach. Um, here's what I'd like you to do. By some chance, the knowing question has grabbed you. And you'd say, I don't know that I know. I don't know that I know. Or, or perhaps you're, you're saying that, that I do know him, but I want to know him like John and Peter. I want that in my life. Then, then I, I invite you to go back to the beginning for a moment. I just want to read this passage to you and leave this in your hands. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, As for you, uh, Paul is writing here, by the way, um, some people who read this passage, if you read it out of context, you think he's, he's writing to people that do not know him. Um, but Ephesians chapter 2, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1 says that, that the Apostle Paul is writing to the saints in Ephesus. He's writing to the church. Okay, so this is, is guys, be reminded, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Paul is not saying that it's not us who are the disobedient here. In fact, it very, very well may be that we are the disobedient because the enemy is looking to destroy you and to destroy the work of this body of believers. Please recognize that there is warfare going on and Satan wants to see this church shuttered and closed. He wants to see the memory of the history of this church ground up in ashes and distributed across Jackson County. Don't you dare let that happen. Verse 3 says, All of us also lived among them, the disobedient, at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest we were by nature objects of wrath. We have all once were or are today dead in our trespasses and sins. Do not be ashamed that you do not know Christ. Do, do, do not feel like you're being picked on if you do not know Christ. All of us have been or are in that circumstance. Verse 4, my, my favorite but in the whole Bible but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, watch, made us alive with Christ 
even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now watch this in verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The very act that Peter and John did at the temple, God prepared in advance for them to do. They knew because God knew. See, I don't think this is meant to be a secret. We have been created by God. We are new creations in Him to do good works. Are you ready for that? Or are you stuck? I mean it. As someone, um, for years we did recovery programs in North Vernon. And the one thing that I know about somebody who is an alcoholic or addicted to drugs, there is just this one thing. If you want help, you've got to know you've got a problem. And I think there are lots of churches, lots of people that go to churches. They don't know they've got a problem. They're going through the motions of Christianity, and they think, I come in and I be religious on a Sunday. I'm all good to go. That's a lie of the evil one. It doesn't work that way. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to be truthful to you. Are you really ready for the works that God has prepared in advance for you to do? If you are, you'll be about the works that He has given you to do right now. So every one of us should be involved in some form of ministry somewhere. If, that's, if you're not a member here, and maybe you're just visiting this morning, welcome, by the way, glad you're here. Um, but if you're, if you're just visiting, you, you better be plugged in somewhere in a church. You have been gifted uniquely to bless the body of Christ of which you attend. And so you should be doing something. There are no excuses for not doing that. I'm sorry. They're not. And I, I, I go back to my life prior to ministry and tell you that. I, was a, I worked 60 hours a week. Um, I had two children. Um, I did everything that, that you guys do. Uh, I led the music. I, le- I, I, I led two classes in the evenings. I, I'm busy. Just like all, there are no excuses for not serving. No excuses. So you've got to break away from the excuse set that we have. Are you ready to do the works that God has prepared in advance for you to do? Because if you're ready to do those works, maybe, just maybe, you continue to, to, to grow in your relationship with Him through understanding His Word, not, through, not through, just through study, because it's not about just knowing about. It's knowing that one day you'll get that inkling just like John received and Peter received that day. And you will say, I need to pray now because God is about to do something great. Father, I thank you for this group of people and the ministry that, has been, um, that is being performed here, that is working throughout um, Jackson County and beyond uh, in the Philippines and in Vietnam and other places because of the ministry arms of this body of believers. But God, I, I just know that you have more for them, that you have a greatness that you wish to unfold, that God, I know I'm not the only one that sees the empty seats. I I recognize, God, that there are people all around this community that do not know Christ. 
And we have got to get our heads up off of ourselves, off of our own uh, things that we think are important, and begin to look at our neighbors, to look intently, and begin to see what their life story is, and help, help them to understand that Jesus is the answer to all things, which He truly is. So help us in that. God, if there's somebody in this place that doesn't know You as Savior, that somehow has been fooled by the enemy, um, I, I pray, God, that You alert them to that, let them know of of what's going on, and I pray that today is the day that they can look to the cross and say, I want Jesus to save me from my sins. I, I'm willing to admit that I'm, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Now, I thank you for that, God. I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, I just want to ask you as we sing our final song, um, I, I don't know, do we still do an invitation, right? Yeah. Okay, good, because I'm going to. Um, if you don't know Christ, here's the deal. Um, it is really easy for us to sit and to go through a, a worship service and then to walk out and go, it's done, it's over, no big deal. Um, I wonder that if you would pick somebody to pray for today, who that might be. I mean, maybe it's you. Maybe, maybe you need to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then, then why don't you talk to one of, one of our deacons, um, ask them to pray with you. You don't need anybody to do it with you. I mean, no, no one was with me when I trusted Christ. But at the same time, I recognize this. We must be a people of prayer. We must be. In that building across the street, I remember some Wednesday night prayer times. That we would come together and we would stand in the center aisle. In those days, I asked us, let's not talk about prayer. Let's quit bringing 20 minutes of prayer requests and then pray for 10 minutes. Let's just pray. And some people would drive from Columbus that were attending here. Some people would, would come in and we would pray for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour and a half, whatever it took. I remember a lady by the name of Mildred Bell walking across the street in the early stages of bone cancer. Stand in that hall, in that center aisle and pray with us. That was before she told anybody about that cancer. I remind you of those days because it's our history. Where are we now? I'm calling you to pray, and not just now. We must be a people of prayer.